you have you have to ask yourself what are you doing to get there and if you're just wishing or you're just writing in a journal entry that i'm going to work in sports or i want to work in partnership marketing i want to work in sports marketing if you don't have the action to back it up it's meaningless those dreams are turned to wishes and wishes don't get you anywhere What's up, y'all? My name is Alan Sheriff, a.k.a. Alan, the Sheriff of All Things Innovative, and this is the ATS Podcast. Here on the ATS Podcast, we talk about all things science, technology, and psychology related, and it's my hope that I'm making the world a better place, one new episode at a time. Everybody, thank you so much for coming back to the ATS Podcast. I'm happy to be back. This is season two of the ATS Podcast, episode 26. Today, I'm going to be focusing on the psychology aspect, and I have a personal friend on the podcast today who's going to be helping us discuss resilience during the job search process. And who better to have that discussion with us than one of my dearest friends. He is a graduate from the Robert H. Smith School of Business. This man just scored a spot with the NBC Sports Group family after a long and hard, difficult, arduous search process. This man finally made it. He's <laughs> self-made. He's here. He's doing it. Everybody, please join me in welcoming Brian Roa. How you doing, dude? Pretty good, man. Can't complain. How are you? I'm good, man. Happy to finally have you on. I know you've been you know, in the trenches with this one, man. I know you've been doing your thing. You've been, you've been down in the dirt, grinding and just doing your thing, man. And I'm just so happy for you, this man. For some of you who Appreciate aren't aware, it, he currently works for uh, the NBC Sports Group. They are a, uh, they're a network owned by NBC Universal, and they, um, they do a lot of work for a multitude of sports events. So I'm happy that he's finally working there, and he's going to show him the amount of talent and dedication that he has, and I'm so proud of him. And I can't wait to see what he comes up with. <laughs> but yeah, man, yeah, so, man. so, so happy to see you, you know, rising and shining and doing your thing, man. And yeah, man, we proud of you. We proud of you. This man blowing up on LinkedIn. He got all the followers <laughs> now, man. He got all the influence. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, so let's go ahead and jump into it, man. So, um, so I'm gonna throw some, so I'm gonna throw a couple of questions at you. Um, so basically, uh, what do you think are some of the issues that you were having, you know, from the beginning when you were starting out trying to find a job? Yeah, man. So just to start off, I believe graduating May 2019, I wasn't too intentional with my job search. You know, I was just applying blindly to companies that were offering the most, the most money in the DC area. I was just thinking about staying local. I didn't want to move out. I had sports in the back of my mind after interning uh, at NBC Sports Washington, but after that, I didn't really have direction in terms of what I want to do after getting my business degree. And from that point on, it just came to a point where I believe I was lacking the skills in terms of like interview preparation. I wasn't strategic in my job search. And it took me about a year and a half later to really learn what it takes to actually be strategic and actually learn what the right ways are for applying for jobs. And just looking back, man, <laughs> I will always remember the backlift you did in our graduation. That was probably the highlight of our graduation, the Smith School graduation and experience center at the time. But, you know, man, like afterwards, it came down to a moment where I started getting rejected left and right because I was throwing my resume, you know, the old expression, like throw it to the wall and hope it sticks. That was basically my motto. And I was thinking about applying to hundreds of jobs will get me that one job in the next two months after graduation and I'll be all good. But mm -hmm. unfortunately that never happened. And at that point I started to really doubt myself and I was in a pretty dark place when it came just to thinking like, man, people don't want to hire me. People don't want to have me on their team. I had all these spots in my head, but over time I am very blessed with the mentorship and with the education that I learned when I was attending different events, when I was attending different meetups and getting out of my comfort zone. So all those three things I just mentioned got me out of the sense of 
thinking that I was lacking the skills and it grew to a point where I knew that I could get a job in any industry I wanted to, no matter if it was tech, it was finance or it was sports in my hand. That's what I wanted to do. And that's what I focused on. And the more, I guess, I learned about myself, the more that I realized that when you learn to get out of your comfort zone and you learn just to embrace all the talent that you have, because everybody on this podcast, wherever you're listening to, you all have talent. And it just takes time to really just dive in and to really think about what talent you could bring and what talent that you can communicate. And that's what I got good at over time. I got better at interviewing. I got better at, instead of talking about responsibilities, I talked more about my accomplishments. Instead of blindly applying to 10 jobs, 20 jobs a day, I applied to five jobs, but with tailored resumes. Like, you know how you go to get your suit tailored, get your shirt tailored to look yeah, the best? Yeah. The way that I would approach that for my job, I would look at the job description. I look at the bullet points, what they're asking for, and I would match the keywords to beat the ATS. And if you guys are not familiar, the ATS is the application tracking system that most big corporations such as NBC Universal uses to yeah. eliminate the resumes that they don't want to see versus the ones that they really want to talk to further. And I just learned from that moment that, whole, like, oh my God, this is what I have to do. This is what I have to, this is the answer that I'm looking for. And it just came to a moment where when I started to strategically, strategically apply and instead of blindly apply to 20 or 30 jobs a day and getting frustrated and asking myself why that never got me anywhere, mm. I started getting interviews from companies like DraftKings, the NBA, um, also with NBC, as Alan just mentioned, and also ESPN and many more companies that I used to dream of working and thinking I would never have a chance to interview, but just being able just to dive into strategic resume building and actually practice my interview skills, it got me to where I am today. And I say this with full humbleness that I would not be here without the man talking to me right now. He's the one that got me out of my mm. comfort zone. He's the one that taught mm. me that if you want to really get a job, not just get a job, but if you really want to make your mark, you have to learn to be uncomfortable with getting, I guess, going against the norm or get comfortable with being really who you are because I'm not that uptight businessman that carries a three piece suit and a briefcase waiting to go on the lobby and take the over to 50th floor to write some taxes or something. I'm a guy that loves connecting sports audiences everywhere globally. I love being able to build partnerships with different media brands into athletes, into social media, into sports content and digital campaigns such as emails. So all of that led me to where I am today. And I say with full humbleness that I am so happy that I get to talk about how I got where I am to my with my man Alan Sheriff. So you're all in for a ride today. Good looks, man. Good looks. You you gotta <laughs> love this guy. I swear. I mean, like, dude, like you're 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 inspiring right. You're inspiring me Thanks, right now. Bro. Like you're making me feel Thanks. like Likewise, you could bro. really Likewise, go head bro. to head with Eric Thomas because <laughs> you're. <laughs> Because your words are like out of this world right now, man. Like you, that's could, crazy, man. Like <laughs> you could really compete with that guy right now, and just you could, you could, uh, you you could you could teach somebody how to fly. <laughs> that's what you're doing right now. But now, yeah, man, let's go get some wings, start flying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I definitely um, I definitely love appreciate. I definitely love and appreciate the time and dedication that you've put into your work. And I love the fact that you finally found something that you can do and really channel all of your energy and passion into. Cause I know a lot of people, um, a lot, I know a lot of people try to pursue that every single day. And it's something that's very difficult. Two things that I really love that you um, said that really stood out to me was the fact that you said you changed your strategy and how you were looking for jobs and you changed your mentality. 
And me, mental health is an extremely important thing. And part of mental health is understanding that there are multiple solutions to an issue. You know, it just might be, you know, the way you're looking at the situation and it just might be the way in which you're trying to tackle the situation. And so those are just two really important things that you touched upon that I really vibe with. It's like you wanted to start bringing whomever it is that you were trying to um, have conversations with, you were bringing them value. And through that, you were able to convince them that you could actually bring something to their company as opposed to just randomly throwing all these different resumes out there mm -hmm. and telling people, oh, I have the credentials now. Listen to me, love me. And the thing about your mentality, man, was just like, yo, like, I'm going to get through this. I have the confidence to get through this. Like, I know I bring the value. I know I'm uh, constantly on my A game. Like I saw you, you know, every single day on the daily, putting out different posts on LinkedIn and stuff like that, man. And you're just, it was just really awesome to me. It was very inspiring to me, man. And I, and I Thanks, love the man. fact that you touched on a that little bit a lot, Alan. about how that, like, you know, you have to get yourself out of your comfort zone and yeah, man, a part of just getting yourself out of your comfort zone is being able to understand how much passion you have for something. You know what I mean? And allowing that to fuel you and drive you, you know, as opposed to thinking, oh, uh, it's a chore. I got to find a job this morning. I got to put together. You know what I mean? It's just, it drives yep, people crazy. Yep. And honestly, it's just what a way to live. You know what I mean? That's, that's not a way to live. So just staying on this subject of passion real quick. So, I mean, my question is how often would you basically search for jobs that were related to your passion? I mean, was it that you were, you felt like you wanted to be practical at first and then you tried to chase your jobs of passion or were you focusing on them all together or were you just primarily focusing on jobs of passion, you know, areas that you were interested in? I would say the latter. I was focusing more on the jobs that I had a lot of passion in and it came to a point where I got tired of just applying for, I don't want to say basic business roles, don't get me wrong, but I guess roles that weren't really inspiring me and walking out of those interviews and thinking why I never got past the initial phone screen or the initial resume, resume screen, it got me thinking, I know why I didn't get there because I wasn't inspired. Mm. And mm. when it, the shift in the mm. mentality came to looking for jobs that actually got inspiration out of me, that's when I started to see the results coming together. That's when I started to see my resumes getting past the ATS. That's when I started to see that I was actually making good relationships with my hiring manager. That's when they were starting to see like, oh my God, this guy knows what he's talking about. This guy has so much passion for his field. He knows that he wants to connect millions of sports fans together on a global basis. He wants to create partnerships sports betting and content he knows what he wants and that's and that mentality basically shifted me instead of just looking for jobs that were going to pay me the highest it came to a point where i was going for marketing skills that i would basically specify what marketing i want to go into like there's partnership marketing being able to partner with athletes and social media brands for big problems like nba nhl or nfl and whatnot but also there's the digital marketing aspect where you get to connect global audiences digitally from social media to SEO search to email marketing, which is my field. So a lot of it came down to just finding my niche. And mm -hmm. I would say that I learned a great saying from my friend. Uh, he works for Dapper Labs. You guys don't know, it's a cryptocurrency um, company, basically specializing in NFTs. Uh -huh. And he works in the NBA partnerships or the NBA Top Shop side. But he told me to find my superpower. And I spent a lot of time specializing in what is my superpower. So I started to really think about if I was in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or if I was in the DC Cinematic Universe, what type of hero would I want to be with Batman in the DC side or want to be with Iron Man in Marvel? So with that mentality, I started really just find my niche. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. I started to really figure out like what I wanted to do in marketing. And I started to take classes on my own, paying my own money to pay uh, for these courses to take 10 hours each week and really just specializing in growing my skills because it's one thing to say you want to work in marketing, but you have, you have to ask yourself, what are you doing to get there? Mm. And if you're just wishing or you're just writing in a journal entry that I'm going to work in sports or I want to work in partnership marketing, I want to work in sports marketing. If you don't have the action to back it up, it's meaningless. Those dreams are turned to wishes That's and deep. wishes don't get you anywhere. That's deep. Exactly. Exactly, man. I yeah, like man. the fact that you dig down deep with it because not a lot of people think to do that. A lot of people think, oh, well, this is something that I have a talent in. And so maybe I should just pursue it. And some people think, or some people may think, oh, this is something that, you know, I have a general interest in and I'll see where it gets me. But with you, it's like you found out what you loved. You specified it down to the last, I don't know what kind of expression I want to use here, but you, you, you really specified it down and through your passion, your dedication, through your emotion that you were even able to express to the people who were admiring you during, you know, the interview process, they were like, yo, he knows what he's doing. He really is dialed in at this point. And I feel like that's something that we should probably start doing a bit more as like individuals is really exploring ourselves and figuring out where exactly our talents lie. So when you say superpower, the only thing I'm thinking is, yo, specificity, like where exactly do my strengths lie? Like this isn't an area I'm just interested in. This isn't just a generality for me. I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll just say for the, for the purpose of the podcast, we'll say it's a new word in the Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> you heard it here from I'm this. Declaring it, I'm declaring it right now. If they can say Eminem Stan is an actual word, we can say that word is an actual word, man. Hey, man, I don't They're know, man. I don't, want to get sued by, I don't want to get sued by Webster's Dictionary, man. <laughs> so, I'll let you Facts, have dude. that one. Facts, man. Sign up, sign up. But yeah, man, it's, it's yeah. Exactly. It's just, it's just digging down deep. It's digging down deep. And you know, you really inspire me with that. Um, I remember in recent conversations, we've just talked about how, you know, you felt there wasn't as, as much diversity in the sports management area, especially with regards to, um, the inclusion of, um, of, uh, uh, Hispanics or, um, if I can find a better term, Latinx, uh, individuals, uh, within the sports management industry. So can you talk a little bit more about, um, why you feel that way and how you were able to break that barrier yourself? Yeah, so I don't want to come with a perspective that I'm an expert in DEI. Trust me, I know some great people across the major sports properties that work in great positions across diversity, equity, inclusion positions. But from my understanding and having discussions with them, I would say that the lack of representation, especially the Hispanic community, I guess it comes from... I. I guess from the, the right approach would start with the uh, team side of sports, like thinking about working for the Washington Wizards or working for um, the Detroit Lions in the NFL, any professional team that you would see every weekend on your big screen or watching from your phone. So from that perspective, I would say that most entry-level roles, they offer very, I wouldn't say little pay, but relatively compared to other industries, pretty minim minimum pay. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say minimum wage, I think some companies on the sales side offer that, but this is from my perspective. But in my opinion, the belief of thinking that people who come from first generation backgrounds like myself, you know, people who don't have the network to really leverage their 
mom or their dad or they have an uncle that works front office for an NBA team or an NFL team. These people had to work full time. They had to uh, go on scholarship to complete their four year degree. And there are so many people that I talk to across the Hispanic community, across uh, minorities, across even women as well, that are very interested in working in sports. Mm. But from the Hispanic side, a lot of us come from first generation backgrounds where we're the first to actually graduate from a four year degree. Mm. And it came to a point where we can't really specialize in passion or we can't really specialize in thinking that I'm just going to work in something without regarding how much I'm getting paid. And this creates something that's called disparate impact. Mm. And I don't want to, I don't want to say it's intentional racism, but this is a point where if you're offering low salaries for applicants to apply for, and you're asking representation or are you asking for increased representation, but you're, kind of confused of why there is a bigger side of a predominantly boys club mm -hmm. as they say mm -hmm. or yeah. predominantly the same group of people you have to look at what you're offering to your applicants and Thanks. your Thanks. potential team members and from that perspective if they figure out that they can't afford to work on that salary or if they're only getting paid commission on a sales position it's impossible to get every representation included and it exactly. all comes down to in my opinion, that DEI positions and departments across major sports organizations, which I believe they're getting doing a better job in not only hiring more diverse people, but also changing their entry level roles, changing how much pay is going to be accumulated, how much overtime they can work if it's an hourly position. So a lot of it comes down to improving the opportunities for people across all representation mm. so that we can all be included. And, you know, I always say that when you watch a sports game, like if you watched the NBA last night or you're going to watch the NFL on Sunday and you point the camera into the fan section, you see a diverse group of fans. I'm talking black fans. I'm talking Hispanic fans. I'm talking women fans. I'm talking Asian fans, all different kinds of fans. Thanks. And it would make sense that the people that run these properties, the people that run these teams, not from the player's side because the players get paid very well to do what they do. No, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong on that. Yeah. But from the front office side or the business side, wouldn't it make sense to have all representation match the number of fans that attend and watch these games every week? Mm. And I would think, yes, mm. that's the point where we need to include and we had to have better hiring practices to uh, reach out to more inclusive groups. And that's what I love about different organizations that are partnering with different uh, nonprofits and improving the diversity and the barrier entrance to sports. So from that standpoint, I believe it's going to get better and you can't sell anymore the glitz and glamour of working in sports because you get to interact with your favorite athlete or you get to interact with your favorite team. It comes down to what you're offering financially and also opportunities for growth. And that's what I believe in the sports industry can do a much better job and are continuously improving in that. So that's what I have to say about the barriers of why there's lack of representation in the sports industry. No, thanks. 100%. I agree. 100%. I did. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, for me, when I, Appreciate I'm it. happy about the fact that we're even having more diverse conversations around diversity and diversity and conclusion. I mean, diversity and inclusion. I'm sorry. Um, right. <laughs> I'm just happy that we're having more conversations around that. Like even my company started talking about that more. We're actually doing that. We're implementing a program where we come together and we make sure we're getting perspectives from every single person 
you know, um, from various different backgrounds. And I think that's important is that you take people's backgrounds into consideration, like their lifestyles, like everything that, you know, you could possibly consider that could contribute, that could either contribute to their success or something that you can, can put in place to make sure that they don't lose. You know what I mean? It's, it's all things about someone's background taken into consideration. That, and that's why you see every single day all these biases in like our systems nowadays because we haven't really taken the background of diverse groups of individuals into consideration. And I feel like with more perspectives coming from these individuals, it helps it, it helps generate more. For, I don't understand how people don't see like, you know, the yeah. feedback mm-hmm. in that, the positive feedback, like all that perspective coming together yep. and helping build up these companies, differing perspectives, like a multitude of solutions that will ultimately help propel the company to where it needs to be. And it's like, people need to really start looking this looking at this as like a genuine investment. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. exactly. Well put, well put nail on the head. Um, what do you think is the most important factor that contributed to you landing your job at NBC uh, today? So that's a great question. And I, I can't sit here and say I have a magic formula in connecting with a hiring manager and them getting wowed by a initial resume and saying, oh my gosh, look at this guy named Brian Roa. We got to hire him ASAP. No, it came down to a point that I was strategic, as I mentioned prior with my job search. And I stuck down with this position at NBC Sports that I specialize in email marketing. I was able to talk about not just my responsibilities at my prior internships at Hashtag Sports or NAB and NBC Sports Washington, but the accomplishments I made, and I specialized heavily at Hashtag Sports because I was able to do some great stuff over there and shout out to the team. If you guys are listening, you guys have continued to do some great stuff in building a platform for different sports business professionals and for content creators out there in the sports world. Shout out to all of y'all, but I would say I would specialize with the newsletter that I was helping build and learning HTML was foreign to me. You know, it's like learning a new language. Like if you're from America, you know how to speak Spanish, then it's going to be a little difficult to actually learn. But the more reps you get in it, kind of like with coding and HTML, the better you get at it. Yeah. And from that standpoint, I kind of, I kind of had this perspective that I want to get better at these skills. And I would say that I was able to communicate my initiative to learn instead of having someone tell me, I want you to do this. Mm-hmm. I was able to mm-hmm. become yeah. a contributor, not a follower. Exactly. Yeah, that process makes sense. And from that standpoint, I would say like what worked for me was the fact that I was strategic and I saw the hiring manager that they mentioned in the job description. And I would say before I go into what happened with that, because Alan, you may laugh about this, but I would say that looking for a job is kind of an open book test. The answers are right there. You just have to find them. Mm, mm. And when you look at what I mean by an open book test, look at the job description, look at the bullet points that they note that they put down, look at the pain points that they're addressing. Put that on your resume, and this goes for any industry, not just in sports, but if you want to get into big tech, you want to get into the big four, you want to get into finance, you want to get into fintech, all these growing industries that you're interested in, you have to look at your job search like an open book test. Look at the job requirements, look at the job description, and you have to come with the perspective that I accomplished something from my past Hmm. internship, from my past uh, student organization, because I don't care if you graduated with no internships. You have to really dive deep, specialize in projects that you were able to present to a a lecture or to a college classroom and talk about and quantify what you're able to do. And from that perspective, 
going back to my job at NBC Sports, when I was strategic with my job search, I found the hiring manager's contact. I guess I was lucky enough to look at his profile and I saw that he had his email address open. So I basically just shot my shot. You know, Michael Jordan once said that you miss 100% shots you don't take. So that was my mentality at that point. And I basically just, instead of just asking straight up, can I have a job? I basically talked about my accomplishment, my accomplishments at my past internships and how they are relevant to what they're looking for. And a couple of weeks later, probably actually less than a week later, I got the initial phone screen. And from that point on, it was basically just connecting with the hiring manager and really doing my research on who I was talking to. So another tip that I would say is go on LinkedIn, leverage LinkedIn. It's more powerful than you think than just putting nice. your resume. You can do research on who you're going to be talking to in interviews. You can uh, figure out some of the pain points that they may be addressing in your interview and be prepared for them. So from that perspective, I was able to go through three rounds, if I'm not mistaken. And from there, it was just basically making good connections. Asking good questions was another key. And I learned from another great friend who works at The Athletic. She told me, ask great questions, and that's going to take you a long way. And trust me, I took that advice for heart because I remember the wows or the, uh, I guess the expressions like, wow, that's such a great question. And that's what they were carried away with compared to other applicants was the fact that if you're strategic, in your job search, meaning that you go through the resume and you actually list your accomplishments that are relevant to the role that you're applying for. You go into an interview with your personality or yourself and you ask great questions. You're going to be very successful and make yourself stand out. And what I learned in life, man, is that you probably can follow up with me on this, but you don't want to fit in, man. You want to stand out. Trust me. You like, nice. you want to stand out. Nice. It's going to take you a lot of places where you don't fit in with the crowd figure out what your passions are and stand out, figure out ways that you can stand out. And that's what I would want to conclude with this in terms of what got me at the job at NBC is just being able to embrace my personality mm -hmm. and being able yeah. to be strategic in my job search, as I mentioned, and being able to stand out. And from that three point formula, I wouldn't call it a formula. Don't trademark me on this, but I would say that that's what got me the role at NBC sports and, you know, from that perspective, it's just going to keep getting better in terms of how I practice and how I go for future jobs uh, looking down the road. But from that perspective, man, like it just comes down to just believing in yourself as probably every cop or every job search coach says. But yeah, man, you have to be strategic in your job search. And everything that I said is 100% true. That's what happened for me. And I'm pretty sure that people listening on this call, if you're thinking about getting into your dream industry and you put some of these tips into practice, you're going to find great wonders for your job search process. And you're going to say, wow, I never knew that this could happen, but trust me, it does happen. And you start to see interviews come and offers come left and right. So feels good, man. Feels really good. Well said, man. Well said. Wonderful. I hope y'all are taking notes. This ain't no game right now. This is real. Like <laughs> this man's taking us back to school right now. This is our teacher. This is Professor Roa. All right. Don't Class make this man hand out a pop quiz. It's a wrap. <laughs> oh man, you you might as well trade paces with um uh Professor Cherry. You remember Professor Cherry? <laughs> you might as well take oh that bitch. <laughs> oh Professor my Cherry at the University of Maryland. Oh man, we had some adventures. Uh, where can people find me, you man? Yeah, man. So I am on Twitter. So I guess I just made a Twitter account. Or awesome. I don't yeah, want to say like that. I, I just made you, a Twitter. Man. I sound like a baby boomer when I say that, but <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Broa301. I'm 
heavily on LinkedIn. So if you feel free to shout me out or feel free to message me if you want. I'm on LinkedIn all the time. I'm very active on that platform and also on Instagram. So I would say my DMs are open. If you guys have any questions in terms of what you want to learn from this podcast or want to learn some advice from me, and I'm happy to uh, just have a conversation, have a genuine conversation. But full disclosure, do not come with me asking me for a job because I will just ignore. I just got to be honest about that, man. Trust me. <laughs> but I was sure. just about to do that. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be upfront with that, man. Gotta I'm be up front with that. next. I thought I was up next in NBC. <laughs> side now, side now. Someday, yeah. someday. <laughs> someday. Brian Roa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Love you to death, man. Keep on rocking. Keep on rolling. Keep on grinding, man. And I'll see you in the group chat with the memes. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, man. I'm going to be saying a lot of memes from now on. Even more. <laughs> All right, dude. Love you, man. I love you too, bro.